الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا إنما الخمر والميسر والأنصاب والأظلام رجس من نعمل الشيطان فاجتنبوه لعلكم تفلحون صدق الله العلي العظيم my dear respected and most honorable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. First of all, we begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in His house, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. And we pray that Allah Azza wa Jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. Yesterday I was watching uh, a documentary uh, and just flicking through the channels yesterday evening and I came across a documentary by Britain's very own Ross Kemp. Uh, and I don't know whether you any of you have seen this documentary or watched this documentary last night it was uh, regarding extreme gangs and he was focusing on Colombia and the murder rates in Colombia which are continuing to spiral out of control uh, caused by and the main cause for those murder rates spiraling out, spiraling out of control is the predominant drugs trade in, in, in the country and the people are so affected by it that almost every individual lives in fear that if they're going to be killed, if they're going to die then most possibly is possible and most probably they're going to die because of this reason and people are afraid Naturally, as they should be, when people begin to take the law into their own hands and decide that they are judge, jury and executioner. And it made me think about something. The effects, the ill effects, not, not only the physical, emotional, psychological effects of taking drugs, but the effects that the drugs trade has on society and community as a whole. It's unbelievable. They're so, uh, it's like a ripple effect. You know, it doesn't only affect that one person who takes the drugs. You know, that's just one cog in that drugs machine. The person who takes the drugs. And it's amazing, isn't it? Murder. Lawlessness. You know, all of these social ills, environmental ills psychological ills, physical ills, for what? At the end of it, for one person just to take something into their bodies that makes them feel a little bit better. Don't you see how much of a ridiculous notion that is? So many people have to suffer. The community and the society has to suffer so that one individual could be granted some respite from the emotional turmoil that he or she may be going through. Just for a few moments, 
they may feel better and forget about all of their worries. It just doesn't make any sense why so many individuals have to suffer for that one person uh, to be granted some respite or to make themselves feel better. And then I thought about the country that we live in, here in the UK. And it's not as bad as, say, Colombia in terms of the lawlessness. There's a degree of law here. There's a degree of policing here that stops these crimes from taking place. For example, gangs, murdering, killing, although it still does take place in certain communities. But it's not on the same scale as some of these other countries. I began to think about our Muslim communities and how our Muslim communities are suffering. And I, I found some amazing statistics that I'm going to share with you with regards to the uh, majority of the Muslim prisoners in the UK prisons. I looked at the Muslim community and I thought, I looked at the Muslim world in general. And I wasn't that surprised because I already knew this particular statistics, but you may, you may be surprised. The leading exporter or provider of the world's opium is which country? Does anybody know? Afghanistan. Afghanistan, a predominantly Muslim country, wherein Muslims reside. And Muslims who reside in that country are proud of their Islamic heritage, are proud of their strict adherence to the Sharia. If so, those same individuals, many of whom are peddling drugs that are killing people throughout the world, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't go hand in hand or it doesn't support the life of a Muslim. It goes against the life of, of a Muslim. The, the purpose of our existence is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in order for us to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and gain proximity to Him, we must ensure that we don't hurt or harm somebody else. No? The Prophet ﷺ said, A Muslim is he from whose hand and tongue other Muslims are safe. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. Having researched a little bit further, I found out some more. That among the top five exporters of the world's drugs, Two, three of them are Muslim countries. Pakistan is there. Again, known for their strict adherence to the Sharia, but yet exporting drugs, producing the world's you know, opium that people take, and many people, as a result of it, not only are they mentally and physically, or become mentally and physically incapacitated, it kills people. There is harm in it. And you know the person who's providing that thinks maybe I'm doing a good job. Well, I'm providing relief to those individuals. No, you're killing them. You're extorting them. You're killing them for a few bucks. You're killing them for mere money. Then I looked, I restricted it further, I limited it further and I looked here in the UK as Muslims. I come from a town called High Wycombe, 
High Wycombe is, you know, not many people have heard of it. We usually, I usually say, well, it's near Slough. And everyone says, oh yeah, we've heard of Slough. Okay, yeah, near Slough. Now in High Wycombe, we have around 12 to 14,000 Muslims, you know, almost as, I think, as much as Southampton. I think Southampton is about the 15,000 mark. However, in High Wycombe, it's a, it's a relatively uh, old community and it's not that diverse, as in uh, the people who came to High Wycombe originally, uh, our parents and grandparents among them, they came from one area of, 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 of Kashmir and they settled there. So not many uh, non-Kashmiris are a part of our community, very few families. Which is, you know, a, a good thing. There's, there's some benefits within that. You know, you, everybody knows everybody else. You know, there's a lot of love and mahabba between everyone. However, unfortunately, we have a massive problem in the Muslim community in High Wycombe. That although, again, we make up the minority in terms of the population, the Muslims in High Wycombe, the majority of the drugs trade is controlled by the Muslims. And that's an alarming statistic. And that's not just in the town that I come from. In among the major cities where the minority of the population are Muslims, or Muslims make up a minority of the population, the majority of the drugs trade is controlled by them. Many other cities are included in that. That's amazing. Those same, I've, you know, I've met some Muslims who are in the drug trade, not so proud of it, alhamdulillah. At least, at least a little, at least that much is there. They're not proud of being in it. They're not doing the right thing. And having spoken to them, I asked them, you know, what is it? What makes you think that this is a legitimate business and you're a legitimate businessman earning an halal income? Oh, well, no, I know it's a haram income. That's why I don't spend it on the masjid. I said, well, that doesn't make it right. If you don't spend it on the masjid, that should tell you this is haram. This is the money that you're feeding your children with. This is the money that you're feeding yourself with. I said, there's no difference between you and the person who eats haram meat or haram food. There's no difference. In fact, in many cases, you are worse. You are worse because you're making something that is halal, haram for you. You see, pork is already haram for Muslims to eat. If someone was to eat it, he's committing a haram act. Slaughtered chicken in the right way, in the name of Allah, is halal for you. It's permissible for you to eat. But should you purchase it with a haram income, or with money that you earned from a haram income, then you're making that halal food haram for yourselves and your family. And that's far worse. That's what you're putting into the bellies of your children. And then you're expecting them to be upright, stand, upright citizens and good Muslims when this is what you're feeding them. Oh, well, I don't take the drugs myself. As if that makes it better somehow. That I don't take them myself. I know it's haram. 
I just provide it. I just facilitate it for other people as if that's somehow better. Again, that's worse. Because if you are taking the drugs yourself, you're taking something that is haram. And inshallah, I'm going to show you very quickly, prove to you how it's haram. It'd be haram for you. And you're harming only yourself when you take those drugs. You're not really physically harming anybody else. Emotionally, you might be. You know, of course, it causes emotional trauma within the families. If they have a person within them who, smoke, who, uh, who takes drugs or drinks alcohol and who's addicted to those substances, it causes a lot of trauma for them. But again, physically, he's only harming himself. But when you don't take the drugs and instead you provide them or facilitate them for other people, then you're harming the entire community. You're harming so many different people. So many other lives are being ruined by you. So I said, you're far worse. You're far worse than the person who takes the drugs by peddling them for money. And I'm going to go through the statistics with you. But before I do, very quickly, he's, I, 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 didn't meet, I haven't met anyone who stated this, but I've heard of people and I've heard of uh, you know, a'imma uh, and scholars meeting such individuals who say, well, you know, the Qur'an says alcohol is haram. The Qur'an says gambling is haram. All of this gambling, drawing lots, arrows, drinking alcohol is is filth from the work of the devil. And stay away from it so that you may become successful. But the Qur'an doesn't mention anything about drugs. Now in order for you to uh, justify your illegitimate actions, you're bringing the Qur'an and the Sunnah into disrepute is absolutely amazing what lengths people will go to to justify their criminality. So well the Qur'an doesn't mention it, the Sunnah of the Prophet doesn't mention it. I said well there are many other things. That the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ don't directly mention those specific actions or those specific things. But the sabab, the reason, is exactly the same for why they have been declared haram. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab ta'ala an, he stood up upon the mimbar during his khilafah. And he's reported to have stated, and this is present, and you'll find this in Sahih al-Bukhari. Al-khamru ma khamar al-aql. Don't think khamar is only that which you drink a substance and then it intoxicates you. Al-khamru ma khamar al-aql. Khamr, the word khamr comes from the root word khamara which means to cover something. It means to literally to cover something. Covering meaning as in befuddling and confusing. And Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab says, Khamar, intoxicants are those that cover and befuddle the mind, the aql. 
So anything that befuddles the mind is haram, is declared as kham. Drugs have the same intoxicating capabilities as alcohol. Some of them far more potent than any alcoholic beverage that you will find. So the ruling is exactly the same. So that means, and I state to this individual who was dealing drugs, that means that you are in the same category as those individuals who not only do they drink alcohol, they have the same punishment, but those who provide it, those who transport it, those who make it, those who are there in the fermentation process, all of them are in the same boat. They're all committing a haram act. In exactly the same way, you're doing the same. In fact, you're worse. The ones who make the drugs, the whole fermentation process, I don't know how it works. Those who make them, provide them, transport them, what they're doing is illegal. Making, transporting alcohol isn't illegal in our tradition, in our religion, it's haram. But it isn't illegal according to the law of the land. This is illegal as well as being haram. So that's twofold. It's impermissibility. So your, the rulings are exactly the same. And many of the scholars, I'm not going to go through them, I've got them here, who state exactly the same. That the rulings that are attached to alcohol are the same that will be attached to uh, drugs. This hadith of the Prophet sallallahu reported by Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam states, كل مسكر حرام وما أسكر كثيره فقليله حرام أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم and this is for those individuals and I've met one of them also who state that well you know I don't take those heavy drugs I don't take heroin and those class A substances I refrain from them because they kill you instead I just smoke a little bit of hashish or cannabis that's it. Just one cigarette, once a day, at night, just to help me go to sleep. I met this individual who stated this. So how can you put me in the same category as those individuals who inject things into their bodies and who sniff substances that are literally eroding their bodies from within? How can you put me in the same category as them when I'm doing something which is just providing just a temporary relief to me. And this hadith is for them. The Prophet ﷺ stated that of that which intoxicates in large amounts, كل muskrin haram, the Prophet ﷺ said, every intoxicant is haram. وَمَا أَسْكَرَ كَثِيرُهُ And of that which intoxicates in a large amounts, فَقَلِيلُهُ haram. A small amount of it would also be haram. So let me give you an example. So if a person states, well I don't drink alcohol, as in I go to those, a pub or a club, and I 
drink myself silly until I'm completely drunk and completely intoxicated and I can't stand up. I don't do that. Instead, what I do is I just take a spoonful of some alcoholic beverage and I drink that or I take that spoonful every night before I go to sleep. It doesn't justify it. The ruling is not going to change in terms of the quantity that you consume. It's exactly the same whether you can see whether you consume it in a large amount or in a small amount in exactly the same way those individuals that are taking those class B and C and D I don't know how many classes there are those substances and not the heavy substances exactly the same rulings will apply it's haram not there's there's no two ways about it transporting them is haram providing them making them is haram i had a a, a a question once of a brother who stated that i give my house on rent i have a house that i give on rent among the many houses that i have and i know in this one particular house they make or they grow cannabis to sell and what should i do i said he said well am i culpable in any way because i know that this is taking place but i've just rented my property to people i don't know what they're doing inside i said well you do know what they're doing inside and you're in control of that so that money that they're paying to you is haram is earned from a haram income and you know that so stop that from happening because it's illegal it's wrong it's ruining people's lives so you're culpable those individuals who well i don't smoke it i don't even provide it to the people i don't transport it i don't sell it i just grow it in my home and i give it to somebody else no you're just a cog in the same haram machine in the same impermissible machine and you're just as culpable as those individuals who are transporting it and selling it to the people let me give you those statistics that i promised you at the beginning you know uh, regarding the effects of taking the drugs that's pretty clear we don't need to go through that ibn hajar al makki many hundreds of years ago stated and he narrates from scholars that there are 120 harmful things that occur by the consumption of drugs not 10 not 20 not 30 120 and among them there are so many and they're proven by doctors today the 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 ill effects of taking drugs but you've seen them you know them you've seen those individuals who take drugs and i'm sure you know of people who are addicted to drugs and they've become addicted to them they're dependent upon them and it's ruined their entire lives by allah i've seen men i've seen women i've seen people who are upstanding members of the community a beautiful amazing individuals ruined lives ruined by taking drugs now they are shell of their former selves shell of their former selves it's horrific the effects that it has on them i know people the age of 20 in their 20s who look like they're 40 because they've taken so many drugs their lives are ruined they can't work they can't function without them and they've become addicted to them 
You know, you've, you may have come across those individuals too. You know, like, and I gave an example once. You know, like, um, I heard this from another uh, uh, imam who deals with, uh, he wor- works in the prison services. And he said, you know, like, um, the Lord of the Rings, you know, those of you who have read the books, uh, and in the movies, the Lord of the Rings, it's, there's this one character in there called Smeagol. And Smeagol is, is this sort of uh, devilish, elf-like creature. Not elf. I was going to say dwarfish, because he's short. Like creature who has become addicted to the ring. And that's become his precious. And he wants it, right? And he needs it. He can't live without it. He's become addicted to it, right? And it's ruined him. Not only ruined him mentally, but physically. Now, you know, if I was to show you a picture of the actor who plays uh, the, the, uh, this, this creature, this ugly creature on screen, you will see a handsome, good-looking man, you know, who's normal, he has normal facial features. But then if you compare it to that, to that creature, you will see some sort of a resemblance and say, yes, well, this is the actor that must have played him. But I've seen people go from that actor, that handsome man, to that creature due to taking so many drugs. And it happens, it ruins people's lives. It kills people and it's killed so many. So we don't need to go into you know, the ill effects of it. You know of the ill effects. Everybody knows, they're common. The effects of taking those drugs. However, if you look at the statistics of the crisis, and, and this is, there's a book uh, uh, written on this, the crisis of criminality in the Muslim community in Britain. The, among the, the latest home office statistics that you'll find, they make a grim reading for the Muslim community. Muslims, Muslim prisoners in the last decade, as opposed to the decade before that, have doubled and then tripled. Now Muslims uh, make up approximately 12% of the prison population in the UK. Muslims make up 12% of the prison population in the UK. Now, we only make up between 3 and 5% of the population, the entire population of the UK. But in the, prison, in the prisons... Muslims make up 10 to 12% of the population. And now among them, Maksud Ahmad, who is a Muslim advisor to the prison service, who was appointed by the government in 1999, he says, and he said this in in June 2000, he said that out of the 4,003 Muslim inmates that were were imprisoned at the time, one in four, 1,000, and five out of the 4,003 Muslim inmates have committed crimes related to drug pushing or drug use. That has doubled. Now, out of the Muslims, two in five of Muslims imprisoned in the UK have been imprisoned for drug-related offences. So it's not an issue that doesn't concern us or concern somebody else and is not an issue of that, that much importance. It is of paramount importance because this exists. This is, a, this is a problem and tenable solutions need to be found within our communities. If you know of people who are suffering 
from taking drugs and have become addicted to the substances, don't ignore them. Don't let them you know, do what they want and say, you know, I'm going to turn a blind eye to it. No, that's not going to help them. In fact, that's going to make them worse. Don't push them away. Help them. Try to find them the help that they need. If you have them in your families, don't think, oh, well, you know, we will just get rid of them. You kick them out of the house and go and do whatever you want. That's not going to solve the problem. That's just going to make it worse. So instead, you need to approach those individuals with, with care and compassion. Know that these individuals are addicted and they need help. And you need to provide that help for them. With regards to those individuals who sell drugs in your community, in your communities, the drug pushers, the ones who are causing and wreaking havoc in people's lives, then it's your job as Muslims, it's your job as Muslims to stop that from, from happening. مَنْ رَأَ مِنْكُمْ مُنْكَرًا فَلْيُغَيِّرْ بِيَدِهِ فَإِنْ لَمْ تَسْتَتِئْ فَبِلِسَانِهِ فَإِنْ لَمْ تَسْتَتِئْ فَبِقَلْبِهِ The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever sees something wrong, a munkar, take place, then stop it physically. Bring about a change physically. If you're unable to do that, then verbally speak out against it. If you're unable to do that even, then with your heart. With your heart means at least think of it wrong in your heart so your heart doesn't die. Think of it as evil. And that's the sign of the weakest of faith the Prophet ﷺ stated. So it's your job. Identify those individuals. You know those individuals. There's, I, I, I'm 100% certain that there are people here who know, who know of people, who have heard of people who sell drugs within their communities, within the Muslim community. And you, by turning a blind eye to it, you're just as culpable. Right? Talk to these individuals. Try to get them to change their ways. In cases where... People are doing this, there's absolutely nothing wrong. And I say it unequivocally, report those individuals to the police. Those individuals need to be tamed. Those individuals need to be brought to justice for the havoc that they have wreaked on the Muslim communities. You know, I, I'll give you and I'll leave you with this. The, uh, the Muslims, and there are many fatwas in the Muslim community that exist even today, that to pray that... Muslim imams refuse to pray the janazah of those individuals who sell alcohol or who sell drugs. Drug dealers refuse to pray their janazah. And that's a massive statement. It is. Why? Because these individuals have caused so much harm to the Muslim community. Not only to the Muslim community, just to community in general, to humankind in general. So it's something that needs to be looked at and it's something that needs to be discussed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you the tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran, the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the ills of, of, of substances that cause harm to our bodies and cause harm to our communities. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from those individuals who seek to bring our communities into disrepute and who seek to harm others. Wa akhirat da'wana. Alhamdulillah.